Come in, come in. I want to begin with you by reading 1 Timothy 4. That would be as good a place as any to begin. 1 Timothy 4. But I also, also want you to be thinking about the words of Jesus as He teaches us to pray in Matthew 6. Matthew 6, 9 to 15, Jesus teaches us to pray. And among the things He teaches us is to be thankful, to be thankful at mealtime. What does Jesus say, Sermon on the Mount, about being thankful at mealtime? There you go. Matthew 6, 9 through 15, Jesus says, Give us this day our daily bread. Well, let's notice what Paul says. 1 Timothy 4. And verses 3 and 4. He's talking about some false teachers that would eventually arise on the scene. 1 Timothy 4, 3 and 4, And they forbid marriage and require abstinence from certain foods, certain foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. So those who believe and know the truth will receive their food with thanksgiving and recognize that God has created the food. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 4, For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is to be received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. Sunday we were privileged to look into one of Jesus' prayers in John 17. This evening our focus is going to be Jesus' prayer and mealtime. Jesus' prayer and mealtime. Okay. Follow me over to Mark chapter 6 for a second. Mark chapter 6 as we begin to get into this little study, which I hope is going to be very practical for us. You notice in Mark chapter 6, beginning around verse 30, the caption there is, Jesus feeds the 5,000. And so, verse 34 says, when He went ashore... He saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And so as the day grew on, he had the crowd to sit down and notice in verse 38, it's reported to him that they have five loaves and two fish. 
So verse 39, he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundred and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he said a blessing. And he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were filled, satisfied. Notice from Mark chapter 6, turn the page or two over to Mark 8. Mark chapter 8. Notice that the first part of Mark chapter 8, Jesus again, this time he feeds 4,000 in a very similar way. And as he is going to take the seven loaves this time, Notice in verse number six, he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground and he took the seven loaves and having given thanks, he broke them and he gave them to the disciples to set before of the people. And they set these loaves before the crowd and they had a few small fish. Okay, so our first main point as we think about Jesus Prayer in mealtime is that Jesus was not ashamed to say grace publicly. Jesus was not ashamed to say grace, to give thanks for his food in public. In public. Here he is right out among all these people, and he gave thanks. And so is this a good practice? Is this something that that you do as well. I feel sure that most of us do this. It would be strange to see any Christian sit down to eat any portion of food without first uh, giving thanks. So in this first part of the lesson, let's ask ourselves this question. What are some guidelines for praying in public? What are some guidelines as far as giving thanks for our food in public. I'll mention two or three, and maybe you want to, to come in with a few yourself. I would say that one guideline would be never to draw attention to yourself. Even though you're praying in public, I don't think Jesus would want us to draw attention to ourselves. Jesus taught rather straight in a straightforward manner about showing off with our religion. In Matthew chapter 6, which is a great chapter on prayer, he warns about this, about this very thing. Notice in Matthew 6 and verse 5, he says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say unto you, they have received their reward. In other words, they may get attention that they are desiring, but that'll be all they get. Jesus is not going to be pleased with them at all. And so I would say one guideline is to pray in public, but don't do it in such a way that you're drawing attention to yourself. We know that Jesus wouldn't do this. Jesus is known to be meek and lowly. 
so I think that will be one, one guideline. We understand that God is very um, available in prayer. Let me ask you this. Can you pray silently and be heard by God? Can you pray with your eyes open and be heard by God? You can. So it seems like the guideline here would be to be discreet, to certainly pray, and not be ashamed of praying in public, but don't do it in such a way that you're trying to draw uh, attention to yourself. While we're here in Matthew uh, 6, I think another guideline would be to be brief and to the point. Can you, can you believe a preacher is saying this? But be brief and to the point. I think that's a good guideline in prayer. And Jesus is, is kind of mentioning this and warning us about this. Here again, Matthew 6, 6 and 7. He says, but when you pray, go into your room." And shut the door. Go in your closet and shut the door. And pray to your father who's in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward, reward you openly. Verse 7. And when you pray, do not, do not heap up empty praises. Don't have vain repetition as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their much speaking or for their many words. I think Jesus is teaching us that when we pray to get to the point. What's the point? At hand. Think about Jesus. When he prayed and thanked God for the food, he didn't go on and on. Think about all that Jesus knows. He could go on and on, but he was brief and to the point. When we pray, uh, guys, especially in public, when we pray, we don't need to preach and pray. We need to understand what the occasion is and then get to that part and then um, that would be pleasing to God, and that helps the people around you as well. So one guideline would be to be brief and to the point. Another would be don't draw attention uh, to yourself. Now, if we're praying in public, and even though we're trying to be silent and, and discreet about it, there's going to be others that are going to see us pray. So with that in mind, another guideline, guideline would be to remember your influence because somebody's going to see you pray and how are you going to act after that, after they see you pray? If we're in a public place and we're going to pray, then we need to be the best example we can be uh, after that prayer. We don't need to be obnoxious. Okay. Have you ever seen a group in a in a cafe or a restaurant where um, they act as if they're the only ones there. And they're loud and um, drawing attention to themselves. They're, they are um, they're yelling to each other across the room. It's as if they're, they're there and they're the only ones there. I don't think the Lord will want us to be a bad example, especially after we have uh, prayed. And what do you think about this? If we have prayed in a place and, and, and it's in, we're in a place where you're, you should leave a tip, what kind of tip should we leave? If they have seen us pray, we would need to leave a tip that says we're generous. 
we're generous. Okay. And that's, that would be a guideline in my people know, even those not associated with the Bible or church, people know that Christianity is is at least in part about good behavior and it's also known to be uh, people who are generous. Jesus and God has been very generous to us, so we want to be generous with other people. And so those are just a few guidelines that come to my mind when you think about praying uh, in public. What else might you say before we leave our first main idea? Jesus was not ashamed to, to pray and to give thanks, to say grace out in public. What about, what about you? And any other guidelines we need to think about? That's right. Sister Denny's saying we should be courteous, let them know we appreciate their service, and they have a hard job. And we need to make sure they know uh, our appreciation. Okay? Very good. Our example means a lot, and especially if we're going to. Um, Take the time to pray. Anyone else? You might not think people notice how we act in public, but somebody's always watching. Yes. Well, Marl's saying somebody's always watching, especially if they know that we are associated with the church. Uh, their, their eyes are upon us. Okay. So we need to certainly be aware of our influence. Also, uh, if we're in a public place and we're praying, it would, it would not be a terrible idea to have on hand some little Bible bookmarks or tracks that's just real easy to have with you and to leave it on the table. Uh, you never know what that little seed sowing might do uh, for someone. Brother Larry, did you have a remark about this? Maybe point out if you've been under charge. Do what? Point out if you've been under charge. Okay. Now, Brother Mark, saying be honest. Point out if you have been under charge. Don't just leave and say, well, that's my good luck. Okay. That's good. Larry saying it's it's good manners not to leave uh, food on on your plate and be be looked upon as being wasteful. Okay. I know uh, I think it was Larry and Kay, maybe it was someone else here, but I remember being somewhere with somebody from church and and they looked to the waitress and said, "We're about to give thanks for our our meal. Uh, do you have a prayer request?" And. David Layton? Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I think that's a pretty good practice as long as we're not trying to, you know, be, we're not trying to draw a lot of attention to ourselves, but it might be a very good practice. 
One thing that we understand is that most people are walking around with some burdens inside their hearts. And someone offering to pray for them, or even just, just reaching out a little bit to them, uh, can mean a lot to the day that they're having. That's a good icebreaker for when you're out knocking doors. Okay, good. Okay. Yeah. It could change their whole day. That's right. It could change their whole day. So I think the Lord would want us to be thinking about our influence. We, we know that He wants us to be a light uh, for Him. All right. So let's be turning now to Luke 24 and look, look into our second part of our lesson. We're thinking about Jesus, prayer, and mealtime. And let's look over Luke 24. You remember that Luke 24 would be uh, recording the time Actually, the very day that Jesus was raised from the dead. You might also remember that as he's walking along on the road to Emmaus, he runs into two disciples who were very confused because they didn't understand that Jesus uh, was raised from the dead. And so Jesus begins to ask them questions and talk to them as the day lingered on, looking down to 24 29 and 30, they urged Jesus very strongly to stay, stay with us. Stay with us. The, the, the day is now far spent. So Jesus decided to stay with them. Verse 30, Luke 24. When he was at table with them, he took the bread, bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open and they recognized him. And then he vanished from their sight. It was pr pretty cool. But notice in particular that Jesus, the second, second big idea is that Jesus practiced saying grace at the family table. Jesus practiced saying grace at uh, the family table. And we're not mentioning this in order to say, well, you ought to do that. I feel pretty secure that all of us have this practice. But here's the question I do want to ask. And that is, what are the benefits of this, especially in regard to our children and our grandchildren? What are the benefits of having the habit of saying grace at the family table, at home? At home. So, again, I will mention just two or three, and then you feel free to add uh, to the list. What are, some, what are some benefits? It certainly shows, if we have this habit, it certainly shows our kids that God is gracious. He's the one providing. We're, we're, we're returning thanks to Him because He has provided whatever it is, it is before us. Okay, so it shows that God provides, that he, that he is gracious to us. And we also can show our kids and talk to them there at the family table. We can talk to them and say, you know, not only does God provide, but He provides us the ability to gather food. He provides us the ability to make a living and to use our resources in order to have the things that we have. Okay. 
So whether you're looking directly at the resources and the blessings or whether you're looking behind the blessing, God's the source of all of this. And we can certainly teach our children. We should, uh, as we are giving thanks at the family table. Go ahead. It's not, it's something that we're teaching them, but now here's the time when we're actually going to put it into practice. Okay, very good. And so we are showing that God is gracious. We're showing that he's behind every blessing, no matter how you look at it. We might also bring up this with our children at the family table, and that is that, that God's given us an incredible body to live in, a body that's able to take food and digest it, you know, scientists have been studying this tremendous occurrence within our bodies for many, many hundred years, and they're still studying it. And it's an amazing thing to think about how our body can take food and apply it to where we need it and create energy out of it so that we can have life and we're able to live and move. And so that would be another advantage, another benefit of having this habit saying grace at the family table. But also, you're setting an example. What better example do you have other than Christ himself? So therefore, you're showing your kids but also showing them that you're going to model your life after Christ. That's right. That's a great point. And that's something we can say also right there at the family table, Matt, saying you're showing your kids that we're trying to model our life after Christ. And Luke 24, 30 would be a good one to share with your kids. It's not, not a difficult passage at all. And see how Jesus blessed the food. And so that's what we're doing because we want to follow our Lord. That's very good. I think another benefit is that it gets us in the habit of seeing the value of little things. It gets our kids to thinking, hey, if we're, giving food, if we're giving thanks, you know, brother and sister Maynard used to come at least once a year to our house, and they would spend the night at our house, and then we'd have breakfast together, and when our girls were little, and brother Maynard was real good about thanking God for the cereal, and he would even name the type of cereal that it was, and he would name off the milk, and then he would name off the toast. You know, it, I think it just made a real good impression. And I, I was more in the habit of just saying general prayers and let's eat. And he, he was really good at being very specific about every little thing that we're about to enjoy. And so it kind of expands our appreciation of little things. We don't just give food. Uh, we don't just give thanks for the food, but now we're going to give thanks for what? We're going to give thanks for being able to put gas in our car. We're going to be able to be thankful for the car. We're going to be thankful that we can get out and walk. We're going to be thankful we didn't slip on ice the other day. Every, we're going to be thankful for shoes. We're going, to be, we're going to be thankful. How many of us last week were thankful for a warm blanket, for heat, and for pipes that didn't burst? You know. And so having this habit of Thanksgiving at the family table can be expanded, and it's just real natural to expand 
that Thanksgiving to a lot of the little things that sometimes we take for granted. So many, many benefits uh, to creating this habit like Jesus had done at the family table. Now here's a big one. And that is, here is an opportunity to teach our little ones who it is to pray. Who's supposed to be praying at the table? Not mom, and not the daughters, not grandma. The dad and the sons, and grandpa, and the visiting preacher. And visiting any Christian, but especially the preacher. They're the ones that are to be praying, leading the prayers in public because this is what the Bible teaches, 1 Timothy 2 and verse 8. What better way to go ahead and establish that principle while our children are very young? We, you don't have to say much at all. They just begin to look around and say, uh, yeah, that's, this is how it's to be. And then eventually they'll learn the scripture as to why we have this practice. I can't think of a family gathering that I ever went to when I was younger where a, a woman pray, led the prayer for the food. I can't, I can't think of, I can't think of a one. And so we see here several benefits for having this practice and also hopefully finding a way to create some conversation about this Thanksgiving at the family table. Now, while we're at the ideal of family table, what does having a family table, what does that say to our children? That, that we are family. That family is important. When I say family table, I'm saying, in a, I'm saying in my mind, both in a physical way and a in a symbolic way, because maybe times that you're eating together, you're not necessarily at the table, but I tell you what, my grandparents made sure there was a table big enough for any occasion. I remember my grandparents had a smaller table, but they also had the big one they would bring out when we were combining families, big long one, and they would bring it, bring it in. But certainly the family table says we are family. We are family. What else does the family table say? Brother Marl saying, that's the time to talk. He said, with their family bringing up uh, their girls, the TV was off when the family was meeting and was around uh, the table. It's an excellent time to talk and to discuss uh, um, uh, many things. Go ahead. No, okay, no phones at the, uh, at the kitchen table. That's going to be an interesting situation, but it's a good rule, I think. Okay. All right. 
our, our latest generation here almost grew up with the phone attached to their side, but uh, may have to remove that at the family uh, table. Family table says this is a good time to talk. It is a good time to talk because you can, everybody hears about things that have happened, maybe even world events, and that's an opportunity for you to help them to see world events or local events or local news in the context of a Bible worldview. Speaking of the Bible, again, the family table is just a... If you've got the TV off and you've got the phone set aside, it's just a good time to take just a minute or two to review something about the Bible, whether it be something that was discussed at Bible class, something that maybe you heard in a song, what does this song mean, something that was said in a lesson, something you heard on TV or something a friend said about the Bible, but the family table since it is the family table, it's a great time to discuss the Bible or to make some progress in Bible knowledge. Thinking about our kids here and our grandkids, um, you know, um, the older preacher uh, that, um, that I grew up under, um, his name was Flavel Nichols, and Flavel's uh, dad was uh, Gus Nichols. Flavel said that there were at least eight kids. He said every morning at breakfast, and breakfast was not served at 9 o'clock, it was served about 6.30. And he said every morning at breakfast, everybody in the family had a plate on the table, and everybody was expected to come to the table. When you got to the table, your plate was turned upside down, and you were not allowed to turn your plate over properly and eat until you had said your Bible verse for the day. Everybody was to walk in every morning with a new Bible verse that they could say. It didn't matter how long, but some sort of Bible verse, different Bible verse, was to be said by each child before they were able to turn their plate over. That's just a custom they had, but we can create customs, and the family table is a good place uh, to do that. So the family table says family, it says it's a good time to talk, it's, it's a good time to uh, discuss the Bible. I think also the family table says we are not the world. We're not the world, we're different from the world. Okay. What about these shows? You, know, you, you can't hardly say shows on TV anymore, shows that are being streamed. Okay, the, the people in the shows, they're always sitting down to eat, but are, are they praying? Many times, they're just, they're just grabbing their food, they're bragging on the food, but in a lot of these shows, they're not stopping to pray. Okay. That's a good thing to talk about. Okay. Because if we don't talk about it, it's going to make an impression upon our little ones. Okay. What about at ball games? People walking around with their food. Okay. How many are stopping to, to give thanks for that humongous amount of food or at the movies that humongous amount of food that they're about to take in. Well, see our kids are seeing all this and we need to let them know we're not of the world, we are of Christ and we give thanks uh, for our food. What about the shows that you see on TV when, when, the, uh, 
when the plot of the show is, comes up on a Sunday, is anybody going to church? You just don't see. I mean, whatever's happening on that Sunday, they're not getting ready to go to church. See, the devil works in a silent way sometimes, an underhanded way. And so the people on the show are pretty nice people, and they're probably doing some good things, but they're not saying prayers when they eat, or perhaps they're saying a prayer and a woman's leading a prayer. Okay. These are excellent times to create a discussion with our children and grandchildren. You know, and so these are great opportunities to show them the contrast between who we are and who the world is. And so what are, what are some other benefits of both being thankful at the family table, but also just establishing a family table. Can you think of any other benefits for this habit? Good. Good, sister. Uh, it creates great memories. Yes. Yes. That's, a, that's absolutely... This is the kind of memories we want our children to have. And that builds their faith. A lot of the faith that our children uh, grow to have is going to be based on what they had experience, experienced in the past. So if they have this memory, memory of not just coming to church, that's a great memory, but memory also of sitting down at the table and having these great discussions and remembering the prayer. Every time prayer makes a great impression on those hearts. much it is, give thanks for what you, for what you have. Right. And you had to go way back there to a little house on the prairie and, and uh, the Waltons. The Waltons. That's right. But uh, good, good shows. Good shows. That's right. Tom Holland tells the story. He said they were so poor that, um, and there were five brothers they'd all get around the table and they would tie a chicken leg to the light bulb right above the table and let it just hang down. And he said, when the shadow of that chicken leg would come around, they would dip their biscuit in the shadow of that chicken leg and then eat the biscuit. <laughs> that reminded me of but they gave thanks for that biscuit. But, um, but these are great, great principles. And Jesus is the one that has established uh, these habits. Before we close down, how does this relate to that, that once a week meal that we enjoy together on the first day? How, how does this relate, what we're talking about? How does... How does this relate to the first day of the week meal? 
What does Jesus call the communion? He calls it the Lord's Supper. He also calls it the table of the Lord. And so since he terms it that way, we can kind of stand back and say, well, as we eat the Lord's Supper together, we are reminded that we are family. Okay. The table of the Lord says to us that we are family. We are gathered around this table and it says we're family. It also says that God has provided, just like a physical meal, God has provided here with this spiritual meal, God has provided Christ. So the table of the Lord says we're family. It also says that God provides. He provides ultimately. You know, we could do without a physical meal a day or two, but we can't be without Christ ever. What else does the table of the Lord say to you? table of the Lord, Matt, saying it says to us we have now an opportunity to go to heaven. And boy, I tell you, the feast up there is going to be wonderful. So good. The table of the Lord also says that we are not the world. I believe Paul makes this rather clear. I want to remind myself of this. 1 Corinthians 10 Somewhere in 1 Corinthians 10 it says we cannot partake of the Lord or the table of the Lord and the table of devils. Ten twenty-one. Thank you. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. We are declaring when we when we partake, when we gather around the table, the supper, on the first day of the week, we are declaring to ourselves again into the world that we are not of Satan. We have made our choice. We will follow him. All right. What about that weekly meal? What are the benefits and what does it say? To you, any other comments you'd like to make along those lines? It unites us. Something we do together. It unites us together. All right. Very good. The table of the Lord unites us together. We are family, and it creates precious memories. Precious memories. And I can, you can tell, you can remember partaking of the supper all across these years. Maybe here, maybe at different places that you visit when you travel, but those, those times around the table are precious memories indeed. David verse 17 says, for we those many are one for 
Chapter 10. Yes. Notice that, 1 Corinthians uh, 10, 17. We are one bread. Though, though we're many, we were one bread and we're one body. Very good. Very good. So thank you so much. We just wanted to take a glance at Jesus' prayer and mealtime. And as we would expect, Jesus sets the perfect example uh, for this habit as well.